This episode is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash nerdistwriters for your free audiobook download. Now entering nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. But talk can be enlightening. It's very rarely frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Welcome to the Nerdist Writers panel series, an informal chat about writing television and the business of writing television. Each and every panel benefits 826LA, the national nonprofit tutoring program. For more information, visit 826LA.org. <laughs> I'm your moderator, Ben Blacker. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. I'm the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour. <clears throat> A stage program in the style of old-time radio, uh, also available as a podcast on iTunes for tickets. And to learn more about it, go to thrillingadventurehour.com. I'm also currently a writer on the CW Supernatural. We have a great group of writers today, so let's introduce them. First off, uh, with a couple of TV movies under their collective belt, uh, as well as a very strange anthology series uh, called Till Death Do Us Part, uh, our first panelists joined the Supernatural staff in its sixth season. They then left to create and run their uh, new series, which eventually was picked up by the CW. It's called Ringer. Their names are Eric Carmelo and Nicole Snyder. Please welcome them. That's horrible. Don't ever, don't ever play music. Come sit down, please. Don't ever play music again. We can't clear that shit. Hi, guys. Thanks for being here. Uh, adjust these microphones so they're comfortable and say hello. Hi. How are you? You're the only lady. They'll know who you are. Okay. Say hello, Eric. Hello. Thank you. Uh, and finally, our last panelist with credits including Popular Felicity, which I loved. I'll be frank <laughs> with you. I fucking love that show. And it's streaming on Netflix now. Uh, Birds of Prey, uh, our last panelist came to prominence on Lost, where they wrote for all six seasons. Since Lost, they've written the screenplay for Tron Legacy, uh, among another, a number of other projects. They're currently the creators and executive producers of the ABC series Once Upon a Time. Please welcome Ed Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Hi guys. Hi. Thanks for being here. You know what? I missed the music when it was gone. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought we'd get played out. Uh, sound booth jokes. Yeah. We'll cut all that out. Uh, say hello so they know what your voices sound like. Hi. Hello. And, and which one you are. Oh, this is Eddie. Adam. <laughs> thanks for being here, you guys, uh, to our intimate discussion here on Emmy evening. Yes. <laughs> First of all, Emmy, Emmy picks. Let's hear them. Do you even know who's nominated? No idea. I do not. No idea. I, I'm going with Boardwalk Empire. Oh, really? Have you seen the show? Yes. Do you like it? <laughs> I didn't mean it like I, that. I, I, actually, I actually really like it a lot. Do you? Yeah. But it just has that, that feeling, you know? Like an Emmy winner feeling? It just it feels it. This is its year. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Where and if I'm go? right, everyone's going to go, wow, he sees the future. <laughs> I usually end with this question, but what are you guys watching on TV? Since it's Emmy night, we'll do things a little differently. 
I watch Breaking Bad, right. Carpet Your Enthusiasm, and All the Real Housewives. <laughs> and that's about it for now. <laughs> so many writers we've had on these panels watch The Real Housewives. What it's is it amazing. about that show? It is not amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> the the women are work. stunning. That's what the show's about. <laughs> Uh, but you watch all the versions of it? Yes. It's a full-time job. I, I would imagine. Running a show is really getting in the way of my Real Housewives <laughs> addiction. And um, my strange addiction I'm obsessed with. What uh, channel is that on? TLC. There was a woman who was addicted to eating her husband. Um, he was... <laughs> what? <laughs> he was cremated, and every night she would lick her finger and stick it in his ashes, and I think... Oh, she, cremated. That I yeah, can understand. Yeah. <laughs> and she ate him. We've um, all been there. <laughs> completely. Um, what? Yeah. There was another woman who was addicted to eating plastic, and she ate her entire uh, closet worth of hangers and has gone through 17 cable remotes. <laughs> her liver is bigger than Judy Garland's, they said. <laughs> I like it. What are you guys watching on time? Uh, I can't top that. Um, <laughs> porn? No. Um, uh, Even that seems yeah, tamer than hangers. Uh, Dexter, I really like uh, Parks and Rec. Um, sure. I think uh, lately I've been into the hours, that BBC like thing. That? I kind of like watched that the a first lot. One. Yeah, uh, it seems interesting and it's really well acted. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. We don't have a lot of time to watch things anymore. I watch a lot of F Troop. <laughs> well, it's an inspiration for you. Yes. You can find constant inspiration in that. Mm-hmm. You guys don't even know what F Troop is, do you? Yeah. They're kids. I know. I YouTube it. Let's um. I said I wasn't going to lead with this, but now I sort of am. Uh, let's talk about breaking in, and let's, more importantly, talk about how you're, you partnered up uh, with your respective partners. Because uh, we haven't had many writing partners on the show, and I'm one half of a writing partnership. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize, first of all, I know you're sick of telling the story of how you guys met and became partners. I understand that. I'm going to ask you to do it one more time. <laughs> Then you can retire it. Okay, great. Um, but let's start with you guys, Eric and Nicole. How did you guys meet? Uh, did you start writing together before uh, you were partners, or did you only start writing professionally as partners? We've, we've only written professionally as partners. Yeah. Do you want to tell the real story? <laughs> I raped her in an alley. No, Eric. That's, how we, you, that's the same story of how what? I met my I'm wife. gay. I didn't rape her in an alley. Um, no, it was totally consensual. Yeah. Um, no, we, we went to Northwestern together. And um, we had, I was two years older than she was, and I moved out. And Are you I, still? St- still am. All right. Um, despite the baby's blood that I bathe in, it's <laughs> not working. Um, and I was, I was a waiter, and I was miserable, and I wanted to write a movie, and I had met Nicole through a mutual friend, and um, I liked her hair, and that, that was the selling point. <laughs> said, you want to write a movie? You have good hair. And she said, okay, and we did, and that was the, we had written a neo-noir that was set in Dollywood, and um, it got us a deal at MGM, and that's how we started writing. Were you guys writing, obviously not professionally, on your own before that? I was. Eric was was not. Right? <laughs> you really weren't? I was not, no. Uh, I, I was pre-med in school. I thought I wanted to be a uh, doctor. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> so where did... <laughs> so where did this and I, I'm going to find out what you were writing before but Eric where did this uh, writing bug come from um, 
You know, I, I, I guess I was just always a storyteller. My dad um, had done a lot of camera work in the early 80s when you had, like, the home videos that were basically the size of a dresser that you strapped to your back. And I would just write movies and direct them and star in them, and my dad was saint enough to shoot them and edit them for us. And that kind of, I think, was you know the beginnings of my desire to make TV and film. And yet you went to pre-med. Yeah, I, my grandma had said, you know, ever since I was a little boy that I had surgeon's hands, whatever that means. It was her way of brainwashing me because it made sense as a kid. And I was like, I have surgeon's hands. I'm going to be a doctor. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I had gone through the whole curriculum. And then um, as I was applying to med school, I bailed and moved out to L.A. That's craziness. Yeah. Uh, and Nicole, what had you been writing before then? I came out here. Before this breakthrough script that you guys just Trying to write TV specs. You know, came out here trying to work, and nothing happened until Eric Carmelo <laughs> graced my presence. No, we we got lucky at a very very young age. You know, we we started writing together virtually as strangers, and something clicked. We wrote in between our day jobs. We had about two hours a day to write. What was and, your day job? Um, I worked for Bette Midler. I was her personal assistant. No kidding. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and and got very lucky and and lucky that we found each other and lucky that we got a job so soon because well we'll talk about that yeah. big break in a minute because yeah. um, that's always an interesting thing uh, but let's move on to you guys uh, Eddie and Adam how did you guys start working together uh, well we went to uh, a fellow Big Ten school we went to the University of Wisconsin. Um, and we oh, actually, man. yeah, we actually met in a film class because it was like, it was that, you know, where you do your Super 8 project. Uh, well, at least back Super then it was. It was a, a form of film that <laughs> yeah. still exists. And for those of you who went millimeters. to college in the 90s, you, so I, this was an opus to me, and I was doing my big student film that would change the world, and I kept running it through the viewfinder, and it was upside down, and I turned to the guy next to me, and I was like, hey man, is your thing fucked up too? And it was Adam, and he reached over, and I had it on backwards. <laughs> so he's thinking I'm the biggest idiot in the world, and I'm thinking this guy's got something. Uh, so so we, they, we had yeah. to partner up on our project in, in this class, and he asked me to be his partner, and I said no, no, <laughs> there's no way. Literally. So that summer we were both interns. I was a um, I was the PA on Betty Broderick, a woman scorned, starring Meredith Baxter Burney about a woman who burned her. I don't know what it was. We all remember it fondly. Adam was working at Abrams Agency, and I was driving from UCLA, and I thought Robert and hit sunset, which it did not, and he was getting out of a bus. I'm from New York. We don't drive there. <laughs> and I remember looking, going, that's that kid from my class. Do I want to pull over and say hi? And then it, that was weighed with maybe he knows where Robertson was, and I, I did. did. <laughs> and it literally turned out that we were staying a block from each other in the same UCLA screenwriting class, and once he got over that I was an idiot and accepted that, then, then we kind of started talking. Hitched my wagon to yeah. <laughs> But it was not because I had good hair. Because <laughs> well, I've, I've been a lot of things, but never one for good hair. Uh, what was the first thing you guys wrote together? We, um, um, <laughs> the first thing we wrote was a... Oh, well, uh, the, it was, the it was, cartoon it, soap. Yeah, it was an animated soap opera pilot, and neither one of us draws or has any artistic skill whatsoever. Right, but we had a lot of... We just thought, well, this is cool. No one's done that before. And that was our that was our first thing. And then that led to a Simpsons spec. And then that, so we were really into animation, even though we weren't. And then, <laughs> and then we wrote a script that was 
based on us having just broken up with various... It's that very, like, your first... Girlfriend. It's, you know, the spec you write that gets you signed, that it's, like, it's small and personal and set against the backdrop of what you think is really cool. Mm -hmm. And and that, um, we were both assistants to producers at the time, and this was our second year, so, like, it... I don't know. We, we got it to the right, this guy, this producer, Kerry Woods. And he said, well, Ari Emanuel started a new agency. <laughs> and uh, let me send it to him. And they, we dropped it off on a Friday. And that's kind of where we started. They signed us off that. Yeah. Huh. Not, not the soap opera. <laughs> Has anyone seen that soap opera? No, but you, like three years ago, we made a joke at a Lost Paley Festival. And the next day, I get a call from someone in Endeavor. And they go, so this soap opera thing that this cartoon that you guys said Comedy Central there was someone in the audience they wanted and we're like no it's not real <laughs> I mean it is but we would never it's show on it on like a floppy disk yeah <laughs> that was another storage medium from the past we're gonna have you walk through walk us through yeah I'm just gonna take you down all of that yeah. uh, tell us about this first big break for you guys uh, what had you been doing? It was this one script that got you some attention, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happened with that script? You didn't have representation at the time. No, but we, too, got signed with Endeavor. I guess they <laughs> wanted to take a chance on nice. young people. Um, we we wrote a spec called Suicide Blonde that Eric said was a neo-noir set in Dollywood, and it was one of those scripts that was just like, no one will ever make this, but you'll get meetings off of it. And... Um, we got our first job writing a script for MGM about jackalopes. Um, they oh, are awesome. mythical. Is it, a horror film? it was not, but it should have been. <laughs> and it was probably the worst thing we've ever written in our lives. Yeah, I mean, it was taking a job. Somebody's throwing a bunch of money at you, and you take it. You know, you don't say no because it's like your first big break, and you know we get it. And then we're like, oh fuck, we have to write this now. How the hell are we going to do this? And it was a nightmare. I think it took us close to a year to go through two or three drafts. Because we didn't even know what jackalopes were. Yeah, I still don't think I know what they are. So it's eight months on research alone. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, they sent exactly. us a care package from Wyoming that had like a jackalope bat, like like a like a like a um, the club a mole or what is that game? Whack a mole. Yeah, it was like that for like jackalopes, and like it was absurd and insane, and it was supposed to be quirky, and it was hideous. Was this to be a feature film? <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe That's why MGM's not around anymore. <laughs> we we single-handedly brought down MGM Studios. Um, Thank and, you. And so what happened uh, to that film, and then what, what did that lead to for you guys? Um, you know, that was the first time we realized you write a shitty script, and people will hire you to write shitty scripts. So that shitty script begot more shitty scripts. <laughs> um, then we had gone to write a, a, a high-concept comedy for, I think it was Touchstone. Touchstone. Yeah. And that was like an 18-month stint where we had gone through I don't know how many drafts, and um, it was pretty hardcore. (laughs) You guys saw yourselves as feature writers at this time? Yeah, we had started as as features. We're like, we would never do TV. You know, real (laughs) artists work in movies. Which is the the truth. But um, no. um, It's the smart thing. Because then you get to go home at night. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of our friends were succeeding in TV, and they're like, you should give it a shot. The money's great, and you actually see stuff produced, and we started writing pilots then. So is that what it was? Did you write uh, spec pilots, or did you get hired to write pilots? How did you make that? Uh, we got to hired TV? to write. Our first pilot was for Showtime. It was called Rush, and it was about sorority girls. And at the time, that wasn't something that you'd see on TV. Now it seems common with Greek and other shows. And um, it wasn't exactly the best fit for Showtime, but at that time they hadn't branded the network quite yet. So, um, but it was, it, it showed us that this was the medium we wanted to be in. It was fast. It was fun. It was a good fit. And we thought we're staying in TV. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash nerdistwriters for your free audiobook download. They have a lot of great stuff on there. I highly recommend uh, The War for Late Night by Bill Carter, which is all about the Conan-Leno uh, late night war from just a few years ago. It's fascinating listening uh, and read in such a brilliant way. Um, so check that out. It's a great book. Also, from a creative standpoint, Nick Hornby's latest book, Juliet Naked, is a really interesting look at, you know, what it is to be a creative person. It's about a songwriter. And again, read so well. It's definitely worth a listen. Uh, but they have all kinds of terrific books on there, both about film and storytelling and, you know, great fiction as well, which all fuels the fire. So remember that today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash nerdistwriters for your free audiobook download. Uh, Eddie and Adam, you guys saw yourselves from the beginning as TV writers? No, we, we had the same path. We oh, wrote really? a movie first, and uh, it almost got made. Yeah, and then the, the company financing it went bankrupt. Yeah, um, and 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 in that time, you know, when you're 24 and you're sent out to do movies, you 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 slowly begin to realize it's very rare to get those jobs and the ones you get tend to be not real projects <laughs> at least back then they're mm -hmm. like oh it's the idea the guy had and so we were just kind of just tired of of not seeing stuff get made or or working hard on pitches and um we had always kind of liked TV, and it was kind of at the time where people were looking for, like, dramedy, <laughs> people that could write dramas, and because we always thought we should be half hour, and our agent, um, Ari Greenberg, looked at our, our movie spec, and he goes, you're one hour, and I can get you work. And we, we were this, like... They looked at the movie spec that was the personal story? Yeah, yeah and that yeah, was... That was actually the, the script that got us our first TV work. And that, and that, that lovely... Poignant romantic comedy got us the new Fantasy Island remakes, <laughs> uh, starring Malcolm McDowell and Mae Chinamic, right? And wasn't she tattoo? She was tattoo. She was tattoo. Um, and that was our first job. Were you staffed on that show? Yeah, we were the staff writers. Uh, how was that experience? It was, uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. The show was, you know, by all accounts, a disaster in the sense that it but lasted it, 12 episodes. But it had so It had, like, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld was on it, and the Whites Brothers wrote it, who uh, did American Pie at the time. And um, it was, you know, it was like a, a film Fro school for us. Yeah, for Eleven Schneider were the bosses who did my favorite show, Northern Exposure. Like, we literally, I remember, like, they taught us what a button was. I didn't know what a button was. If you guys know what that is, like the end of the scene, that little like, how do you do? 
<laughs> right? That little thing that you go, oh, okay, I'm coming back. So um, for us, it was we ended up writing like five of the thirteen scripts. We actually yeah, yeah. so for How us it was great. Everyone else hated it. Wind up with five of the it was. Uh, it was everyone in, it kept was, getting fired. I think, yeah, I mean, at the time, we just assumed that's how it worked. We later <laughs> learned it's not how it's supposed I also, to work. Well, I, I had also been, I was an assistant for Joel Silver and Scott Rudin. I was used to seeing high turnover. I just assumed that was the business. But, yeah, I mean, so I didn't realize that was not a that was actually considered a disaster. Yeah, in the thirteen episodes, I think there were like four showrunners. I mean, it was uh, it was a remarkable. remarkable now they'll door. just cancel you, but back then they'd throw money. Yeah, but we got to learn more money. from a lot yeah. of people. It was so for awesome. us, it was great. <laughs> were there people coming through that show that you've worked with since? Oh, that's a good point. I no. don't think so. No, Were there no but we, that... so we've stayed. We've stayed pretty close with Frohlov and Schneider, who are. They really kind of gave us our break and hired us and on that, that show, and they were really yeah. amazing mentors. Well, that's that was actually what I was going to follow up yeah. with is coming in at that you know lowest level. What did you? What were you guys able to learn from that show? Um, you know, really everything. I mean, you, you're. It's it's in a weird way. You're when you're writing features at home, you have no one to tell you what you know. All you have is an executive to tell you what you did wrong. You don't have another writer who can actually speak your language and go, guys, when you write this one sentence, that's 10 minutes of screen time. Or this, or do you understand? And you start start seeing how the difference between writing at home for something that will never get made to something that actually is going to get made and how that... How that, and I, I think that goes. Yeah, I think that actually the, the biggest lesson we got there was we learned how to rewrite or started to learn how to do you, that. You realize that's not a failure. Because right. we were so like, anytime you got notes, notes were a failure because that means you weren't perfect. But we realized like that's actually the process. Interesting. Uh, have you guys learned the same lesson? No, and, I still think I'm a failure. And where, <laughs> or do you think you're doing it perfectly? Both. Uh, <laughs> Tell us about your early experiences. What was the first uh, staff you were on? Uh, the first staff job we had was on a show called Till Death Do Us Part. Right. That was um, the one I mentioned. It was the John Waters anthology show. series. It, it is a strange show. Um, John Waters had nothing to do with the writing. He just wanted to be an actor. He wanted to be Vincent Price. Um, he was our crypt keeper. Um, and yeah, tell these people a little bit about the show because I'm um, certain they don't remember. It, it, it was Court TV's. That sounds awesome. It was it awesome. Was. <laughs> it was Court TV's first and last scripted series. Um, we once again destroyed a network. They're now. Yeah. They're now true TV. It became TV. true TV after us. Look um, out, CW. Exactly. Wow. Watch out, CW. Um, <laughs> and it was about spousal murder. Every episode was a different couple's demise. And they were all based on true cases, but we had the opportunity to fictionalize and elaborate. And we had such a blast in that room. We worked with amazing writers who we're still close with and learned a ton. And um, it was a unique situation or a little more unique than how it's done or at least how we're doing it. We wrote all our episodes and then started shooting up in Toronto. So we had all this time and we could really break them well and have great discussions and take the time as opposed to... You know, a hectic pace of a show where you're shooting and writing the next episode, and it's, it it never ends. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, did they send you guys up to produce your episodes as well? We we didn't go up to produce our episodes, but we had the good fortune of going up for two other people's episodes, and we got to be on set and watch and meet John Waters, which was awesome. <laughs> 
Uh, did you guys have that experience too on Fantasy Island? Uh, or any we of did. We did on our, our second show, Popular. Mm-hmm. Ryan Murphy was very into like you. You do your episode. You go on set. You go into editing. He was the first actually to allow us to kind of. I mean, that was, yeah, we spent two years on Popular, which was like, that was a real film school for us, because we shot here, supposed to Fantasy Island, which was off in Hawaii, so we would be going from the writer's room to the set to the editing room and learning just an amazing amount. Um, I want to stop for a second in in going through your illustrious careers and talk about the process of writing with a partner, because we haven't really gotten to talk about this on these panels. Uh, Tell us how you guys work together uh, whether it's different when you're working on a series or a feature or, you know, or about that evolving process. Because I know it's, when people ask us that, it's never the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, we're always trying something different. There's no set way, mm-hmm. but there is a general way that we work mm-hmm. together. But what is it for you guys? When we first started, we had one computer, and we, <laughs> I wouldn't let Eric type because he was too slow. And um, I was pre-med, remember? Yeah. And we would um, we would do the scenes together. We would we would take the time to <laughs> figure out every sentence, every word together. It's that was extremely time-consuming. And we've learned since. We've trusted each other since. We now have separate computers and. <laughs> We'll usually, you know, talk about what a scene is about. We'll talk about the scene after it, and then we'll split up. We'll write it individually, and we'll flip-flop. And we always read our stuff out loud together. Yeah. We do that. No. Do you? Right before yeah, you read their it. stuff yeah. out loud. Literally always. Yeah. <laughs> We've read all your stuff. Supernatural, like, it was last week. And, no, uh, we do that right yeah. before we hand it in. Uh, we always like to read it out loud, because sometimes hearing it, you're like, oh, that, that's horrible. I have so. incredible vocal range. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we are still in the, he won't let me type, um, uh, but it's more about he, he has control issues. He doesn't know uh, how to use Final Draft. And I'm fine with it. I really don't now. It's funny because Adam's been typing for so long, and we've been doing this you know, for like 12, 13 years, and he was out of town, and we had to put a page out for, for like <laughs> Tron, and I didn't know how to do it, and I had to go to the script coordinator of Lost and be like, help me, and he looked at me like, the look on his face was like, "You are an idiot." <laughs> how did you? How did you? I think it's like Adam has right now. <laughs> I was like, "This shouldn't shock you," but um, we write everything together. Yeah. You do. Yeah. We, we sit in a room, and while it should take you know half as long, it takes twice as long. Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, it does. But, but that's the way we. Why, are. Tell us why it works for you that way. Because I mean, we've it, only done it that yeah, way. Yeah, it's it's the only way we've done it, and we you know, I think we have shared sensibilities and complementing sensibilities and uh, and we both want the thing to be the best it can be so it's never you know fighting over ideas it's fighting for the best idea right yeah yeah I mean you, and you hear that a lot with partners uh, although working together on the same computer I would imagine you get into those fights less oh frequently. he doesn't come anywhere near the computer <laughs> Adam will print out a scene or I really? will go over we'll read he, he it out can loud. read alright then let's, <laughs> That's very kind no, of you. It's quite literal. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's back up even further then and take us through. I mean, let's use Once Upon a Time as an sure. example, but take us through your process for writing that script. Well, that script was good because it was an eight year writer block. So we had this great idea in 2003, and then we didn't know how to write it until um, two weeks before um, scripts were due. <laughs> literally. <laughs> for the network, and, and we, got, we were told that we had to hurry. How soon before that had you pitched it? Well, we had, we had pitched, we had pitched it at the end of October, 
and and then it was it was a very weird process in time. Like we had pitched at the end of October. We had a movie that was just coming out, and then we were kind of... We wrote two outlines, but then before they would give us notes on the outline, they'd get a call from one of us going, we hate it, we need to start over. Right. Yeah, so we, we, we did we, that a lot. Like, we kept, like, like kind of outlining it and, and not liking it ourselves and kind of preemptively noticing it. But we, were, were, were these full, uh, like, studio outlines, studio-style outlines where you like go through... Page like 20-page network yeah. outlines. But okay. what we, we do is we sit out and we have an idea, and then we just start kind of talking about the story. And then, and then we just, you know, even if it's just the two of us, we go to the whiteboard like a writer's room, you know, where you, where you put the beats up, and we just start from there. Uh, which one of you writes on the board? Yeah. I'm a board writer. I'm the actually the board writer. I don't go near the whiteboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a race thing. Um, all right, so you're turning out outline... <laughs> You're turning out outline after outline on this, uh, and you keep taking it back from the network. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we found the story. We, we, once the story that we knew we wanted hit, um, we, we were so late in the process that we actually... Um, we didn't wind up outlining it. We, we su- pitched the outline to the network. We had to go in and repitch the outline and so that we took them through every beat of the story. And this was in January, and then... Um, and we said we're not going to... Do an outline, we don't have time, but we'll have this document to leave behind. But in true Kids' Horrors fashion, that was 15 pages. So, like, it was an outline after the pitch, even though we said we couldn't do the outline. Um, and then they, then, then once we did that, then it was, we just like, I feel like that's the hardest part, is breaking the story. Once you actually have the story and you're happy with the beats and you know, then it's just the fun of the scenes. Uh, and then how long after that pitching the outline did you guys have to come up with a draft of the script uh, two weeks <laughs> yeah it was about you know it was about ten days or two weeks later we turned in our draft um, and so you guys hunkered down somewhere yeah, yeah. the and two of you yes yes we you're, have, we have allowed, an you're not allowed to look at the computer. I'm not allowed. No, he, to look at the computer. He, he can look at the computer. <laughs> he can look, at but 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 not from the same view as Adam. <laughs> he can see like I can see it the from monitor, yeah. you know, the couch. Um, and did you stick pretty close to that? Yeah, pitched it's, outline? it's it's funny. It's what we pitched was very close to kind of what we wrote. Obviously, once it was picked up, there there becomes notes along the way that, that changes it but the core idea was that yeah, yeah. Interesting. all right and, and we'll pick up there in a minute but I want to hear you know the same process for you guys on ringer uh, from pitching it to actually sitting down to write it take us through that we didn't pitch it we had written it on spec and um, it, initially we had conceived it as a feature <clears throat> and we had you know started mapping out what we thought the feature was and we were always getting stuck on this one part and you know we put it away for a while and, and how long ago was this um this was four started years ago oh really four, maybe three yeah. four years ago it was a while ago and um you know we knew that staffing season was coming up and we had to write something to resurrect our careers and you know we were just kind of like going through our rolodex of stuff ideas and you know failed scripts and i was like you know what about writing this as a as a uh hour and Nicole's like that's an awesome idea and we just started mapping it out and based on the feature outline that we had done we kind of had all the beats for what we thought would go in the pilot and we had written it didn't tell anybody we were writing it because we knew that our agents would poo poo an idea of you know good twin versus evil twin and laugh it off and I think this came off of pitching 30 ideas to our representation saying what about this no what about that no what about this no and so we were like okay well we're gonna do this twin thing but as Eric said we're, we're not gonna tell anyone because if they reject this and then when we thought when we hand it in if they reject it then we'll 
fire representation to move on. And they liked it. So, so yeah, we, we handed it in. and um, our so, you, so you guys, and let me just interrupt for a second. Yeah. You guys were actually setting out to write a pilot, uh, a spec pilot. Yeah, spec pilot, but as a sample. Or, more yes, more yes. or less as a sample. And, you know, it just happened when we were finishing it was just, it was around like 4th of July, and that's when networks just start to open up for development. So, you know, we had sent it around, and um, we had gotten positive feedback, and uh, Brillstein Entertainment had come aboard as, as producers. And uh, we tried selling it, and we didn't, but we came close at like a lot of different networks, and just the, the range of the networks was staggering from like Showtime to like CW. So it was a pretty broad what range. What do you think was the hurdle for these networks? Um, I, just, I think just the conceit in and of itself is a very heightened conceit, but we tried to play it as straight as possible. And I mean, it, it was heavily, heavily serialized, and just a lot of networks are, are afraid of that. You know, if it doesn't have a procedural hook and it's truly just a serialized show, networks tend to shy away. And I think because it, it could have been in so many different networks, each network found a reason not to like it. Like at Showtime, it wasn't dark enough. At Fox, it was too dark. You know, at CW, it was too old, and <laughs> here we are on the CW. But they did pass on it a year yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, two years ago. And then uh, we had used, nobody bought it, and we used uh, that spec to get staffed on Supernatural. So we kind of put it on the back burner, but I remember when our attorney was negotiating the Supernatural deal, I said, carve out Ringer. I just have a feeling about it, so see if Warner Brothers will carve it out and they did um and because they were like fine (laughs) nothing's gonna happen with that (laughs) and then um you know around november of last year uh we had gotten word from sarah michelle geller that she wanted to come back to tv and this was going to be her vehicle so interesting how did it get um, into her hands brillstein they represent her oh i see uh Oh, I was going to say, she was actually attached to a feature script of ours nine years ago that Ryan Murphy was going to direct, yeah. and Fantastic. it all fell apart, and and yeah, and so to meet her again a couple of years ago and say, no, you liked another one of our scripts, and I think she said, oh, I think Ryan said he wrote that. <laughs> so, so it was a fun, it was a fun circle getting back together. Um, so, and, and Ringer once... It started picking up interest once Sarah Michelle Geller was involved also. Uh, it was sort of a bumpy ride even from there, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Tell us about that a little bit. Um, I mean, we were still under contract at Supernatural. So, you know, uh, Nina Tasser at CBS said she wanted to do this with Sarah, and we're beholden to, to Warner Brothers. So, we're But like, even we're- before that, actually, before we had interest from CBS, she was shopping it around when she would take meetings on her own and she sat down with the president of Fox and said, this is what I want to do. And Lone Star had just come out and it was heavily serialized and it did not do well and they were scared to take that chance and they kept steering her in the direction of other projects and she kept saying, I want to do Ringer. And they said, well, we don't. So (laughs) she moved on and I'm sorry. So yeah, I mean, um, but uh, luckily enough, Thanks to the graciousness of our, our showrunner and EPs at Supernatural, they um, had spoken to Peter Roth and they allowed us to leave the show to go produce our pilot. So um, January of this year was when we left Supernatural and went to New York to shoot, shoot the show. That's a crazy ride. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to more in a minute. 
You guys. Yes. Uh, tell us about once once you've you've people have signed off on your once upon a time pilot. Uh, what are the next steps? Uh, first thing you do is you get a director, mm-hmm. and uh, you're also trying to get cast at the same time, and which crew, is a, which is a weird thing. Um, it's, it's like you, you you get the call, the pilot's picked up, and it's like like a four alarm fire. And then it's, <laughs> you're already you start the minute yeah. that you're told you're already behind because people are fighting over crews. So it's like if you're shooting in Vancouver, who else is shooting? These other five pilots. So it was like you find yourself fighting over like department heads. So. Um, the very first thing we did, though, uh, was we, we went and um, I think we got uh, director Mark Mylod, who we loved. Um, we met with a bunch of directors, but he just he just he came in with had him. the vision and, and you, you really felt like he wanted it. Yeah, he had a real passion for the material and he had a real vision that he presented. And we knew the second like we sat down with him, he was and, the guy. And he, you know, he had just done the Shameless pilot, so so uh, the, it, you know, people were like, I don't know. He just had the. We just liked the idea of him coming in, but he was great. And then from there, we started sending out to cast, and then then you just slowly start putting it together. Were there uh, casting challenges? We we were very lucky. Yeah. We wrote it was sort of a sprawling cast. On yeah, um, we wrote one part for Robert Carlyle, and we sent it to him, and he said yes. We wrote one part for Jennifer Goodwin, and she had just come off of Big Love, which we loved for six years. And I remember everyone was like, "She's not doing TV, and she's <laughs> certainly not going to do this." And we're like, "Just so then we get to know what it. It's not the first time." And we sent it, and the next day we got a call from her manager, and he's like, "Do you want? You know, we'd like to meet you." And we all went out to dinner, and and she she's, was great. She and, was awesome, yeah. and she said yes. And Jennifer Morrison, we went to, and and yeah, she just, said yes. We got really lucky that all our all of our first choices said yes, um, so we were lucky on that front. Having written these parts with these actors in mind, which is you know not an unusual thing, we all do that. Uh, did you then have to rewrite once actors were involved? Did you do an actor draft? I mean, there there were subsequent drafts that occurred, like after the casting, and then you know as as you you go through the process, it, it wasn't like we did a complete rewrite for each individual actor but we you know as we got to you know you talk them a lot and, with the actors and, and, and then that, you start yeah. feeling the vibe of how they're bringing this character you know so it it does become a, a kind of very organic thing between you know the actors and the writers. I would say even more so now now that we really know them yeah. we we really are able to un- tailor kind of the scenes to them because we understand their rhythms and the way what they do and more so in the pilot where you're just kind of getting to know everyone I was curious about that from you guys as well because you had uh, Sarah on so early. Mm-hmm. She loved the script. Did you then have to sit down with her and she said, I love the script, but what about these ideas? No. no, if she doesn't like something, she just won't say it, so it makes it really easy. Meaning she won't say the line. Not, she won't tell you she doesn't like it. Um, but no, we, we got very lucky in the sense that the spec we wrote to the shooting draft of the pilot changed very minimally. Yes. I was curious about this, because uh, now I've seen your pilot. It's aired already. Uh, and I haven't seen yours yet, but I read it. Uh, was what we saw on the screen very close to what that script was? Very close, What were yes. some of the challenges, or what were some of the triumphs that, that you guys either wrote a scene and were like, I don't know if this is going to come off, and then it did, or things that maybe you hoped would work, but maybe didn't? The challenges were uh, doing boat sequences in New York City in February. <laughs> um, everything, it, nothing was shot organically, and it shows. Um, it, you know, we were on a soundstage in 
some borough of New York City, and it was freezing and snowing, and um, Sarah was on a boat, and it was difficult because the boat was on a hydraulic system, and we had green screen all around, and we're using, like, um, motion control and face replacement on a boat where Sarah's playing off of herself and it's bumping. It was a nightmare. And she had a cold. And, and she had, had a cold. A and then she had to jump into the quote-unquote ocean, which was, like, a heated, like, kiddie pool, basically. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no more water sequences ever on Ringer. <laughs> yeah, we were going to Unless they're up. actually shot. <laughs> on the water. Yeah. Uh, and what, but was there stuff that you had put in the script and even during the process of writing where you said, if this comes off, this will be great, and then it did? Yeah, I think um, the scenes between Sarah Michelle Gellar and uh, her husband on the show, played by Yoan Griffith, we, I think exactly what we wrote ended up on, on screen and and were really powerful and beautiful and exactly what we intended. Also, all the sequences with um, her Narcotics Anonymous meetings stayed very close to how we conceived them and and yeah. yeah. What about you guys? The same question. Um, I, I, I yeah. think the pilot really reflects... Yeah, I mean, it was very close to our first draft and we're very happy with how it how it came out and how it reflected what we were trying to do i mean it was uh it was a very challenging script on a production level to pull I mean, off we had it we have a scene where there's a, a war council and at this war council is snow white prince charming the dwarves geppetto pinocchio the blue fairy <laughs> And Jiminy Cricket. And Jiminy Cricket, who's actually a cricket, who speaks out of this gramophone. And, and like, it and, and, and fucking pulled it off. But the thing about it is, is it's like the, the whole kind of intent and aesthetic of the show was to do it real and to, to make things feel very real and grounded. So just when you rattle off all those characters, that was the challenge in the writing and then, and then in the production, which is how do we do all that and make it feel very real and relatable. And, you know, we, we're very pleased with, with how it came out. And, right. That doesn't mean know, everyone yeah, won't we'll see it. No, but if you are, that's, you know, yeah. that goes a long way. I mean, look, way. I can say this. We thought if they don't pick it up, at least let's be able to look back and say every frame up there is the way we wanted to. We didn't feel like we compromised. So if people hate it, then, you know, they are hating our truest vision of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then they really hate us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably the case. Yeah. Uh, that's great. I can't wait to see it. Um, and this will air long after it premieres. So, um, you guys, yes. uh, Eddie and Adam, put together sort of a, a powerhouse room uh, yeah. for your writer's room. Tell us about that. This is the first show you've run. Right? Uh, it is the first show we've ever run, um, save for, you know, we've, we've, um, we've done the Tron animation show. We wrote, oh, like, we right. created that, yeah. and there's a room on that. But this is our first network show. And um, Yeah, tell us about stepping into that showrunner role. Uh, what did it, you learn uh, from Lost? You, you know what? You... <laughs> The only thing I, I it's that scene in the abyss where they tell you how to use the new liquid, like how you're gonna breathe underwater and they say it's gonna feel like drowning at first and then you get used to it. You once you realize when you take this job, it's just you feel like you're drowning just immediately because there's so many uh, decisions and responsibilities and for the first time everyone around the table is looking to you for the answer. And you're like you're in my our instinct was immediately to run to Damon and Carlton. So thank God we we still uh, you know yeah I mean that it's it's an immense amount of pressure it's all, you know it's also immensely gratifying to be able to to try to but, realize your vision but you know we also you know 
realized we wanted to kind of find the best people we could to work with, and we we kind of went out there to you know and met with a, a lot of writers. We, every 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 time we did anything, we always went to the here's our number one choices. So like Jane Espenson, we were huge fans of Jane from everything she's done, and you know we sent her the pilot, and she agreed to do it, and then you know you you just you. You try and have the room be a mixture of everything you want, but really at the end of the day, you're also looking for people that, if you're, because t- it's like a road trip. So, like, hour 10 of the day, you have to not want to kill everyone in the room. So, it's like a mix, because everyone that comes in, you immediately like their writing or you wouldn't meet with them. Right. So, then it, then it becomes, I think, a little bit about room dynamic and personality. Mm-hmm. And for us, we just wanted really, we wanted people that really wanted to, like, be creative and, you know, great thinkers and, and help us out and, and so you just you, you just kind of have your target list. I'm sure you guys did the same thing. Yeah, I was going to ask. Tell us about putting together your room. Uh, what, what was the, you know, the, the boat that you wanted to be in with these people? Not the special effects boat. The other <laughs> boat. Um, we, you know, was the first thing was what's on the page? Can people write a thriller? Do people have a sense of humor? Can people tell a good story, good with dialogue? And then it was the same thing. You know, it's so hard because you're only judging based on the script you read and then the 30-minute interview you have, and you cross your fingers and you hope you pick the right person. And we were very lucky. We got a great team of writers together. How big um, is your staff? We are, including our writer's assistant, there are nine of us. Catherine Humphreys in the audience, one of our brilliant writers. <laughs> She's waving. writer's panel star. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what kind of spec stuff, or not spec stuff, what kind of samples did you read uh, from potential staff? We wanted to read original because having been on staff, we know that sometimes you get rewritten, and um, we just wanted to read a true voice. We, we read a lot, of, a lot of pilots. Yeah, and we also wanted things that didn't have a procedural slant because it was, a, again, a heavy, heavily serialized show. And, you know, if they were going to send us specs of shows that were on the air, we were asking for, you know, soapy shows, you know, Breaking Bads and Sons of Anarchy and, you know, any of the FX fair where it's not necessarily a franchise. It's just kind of a, a soap opera. And what were you looking for in the personalities of the people that you sat down with for a half hour at a time? Yeah. Um. Again, people with a sense of humor. Um, I think we were drawn to the people that had interesting stories when we met them. Seemed nice and kind and not weird. Um, yeah. yeah. Not was weird was the main requirement. That is a big requirement. Yeah. Was there anyone who surprised you uh, in the interview process? You don't have to name names. Yeah, I mean, uh, one way or both, the other. both good or and bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, lots of surprises, but... <laughs> Um, I mean, just it's amazing some of the things people share during a half hour interview. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was like shtick to get a job or or what, but um, it was just interesting. We had never been on the other side, so you certainly learn what you shouldn't do, you know, when you are hiring somebody. So, and the other thing that's amazing being on this side for the first time is you learn that it's not. Like when you when you don't get a job, you always think it's me and it's my writing and I I messed up in that interview, but it's really not. It's just a matter of, it's a numbers game with your budget. It's are these people a right fit? If you get that person, you can't get that other person. And in a way, it's not that personal. I mean, it's partially personal because it's their writing and the personality, but it's 
it, it's so much more than that. It made me feel better with all the jobs we lost. At least that's what I told, told myself. Uh, Eddie and Adam, the same thing. When you were looking to put together that room, besides being fans of the work, uh, what were the personalities you're looking for? Well, you know, first, it, it, was, it reminded me a lot of a fantasy baseball draft. You know, it was like you kind of you because it's like with everything when you're doing a pilot, there's like a feeding frenzy of like people out there and everybody's meeting on everything. But it, but it really like once we you know had like the people we read and we liked and all that, it really just became about kind of shutting all that out, meeting with these people, and then just kind of seeing like you know how what the vibe was like what what. What? You kind of know in these meetings too, yeah. because when it's when it's effortless, or you just go off on a tangent, and you realize that tangent's twenty minutes in. You can talk to this person. When you find yourself like going like, "So where'd you go to college?" Then you kind of realize like, "Okay, they're they're." And sometimes it's good to have a quiet people in the room because we trust me, we're very loud. So <laughs> you need some quiet people and you need some vocal people and you need you yeah, look I for mean, that mix and, of and, and, and as I like to take the fantasy baseball analogy a step further, it's like <laughs> you you want a pitcher and and you want a first baseman and you want a right fielder and there's like different kinds of skill sets from different kinds of writers and you want to try to at least we want to try to make a room with a lot of complementing talents and 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 strengths you also want people who love your show so yeah. you know there are people that come into your room that you're not their first show and then you don't want them you know it's like mm-hmm. we're, if we're not your first school then you know we don't want to be anyone's safety i mean that's that's the other thing you can sense passion right away right mm-hmm. and if someone's really passionate about your show you, you can immediately feel it and that goes along like way. you don't want to hear this Oh, I saw your pilot. Cute. <laughs> like, oh, cute. Thank you. I haven't seen my family, and you know, but it's cute. You're like, okay, you don't really like it, but you want to pay rent. Like, you feel that. Um, I, I think sometimes, and, I, and it is weird. This was our very first time on this side, and I, I would say it's interesting to see what you do and do not do, and also agents. Mm-hmm. Like, you actually get to see how they mm-hmm. work, and you're like. I wonder if my is my agent done that. <laughs> is he done that? I mm-hmm. feels like that's the, been done to me. Yeah. What were some of the things that uh, you would get from agents? Just you know, uh, it's it, it's hard now because well, it's all in this blur. But like but, you know, you, the the constant calls. Oh, so and so is about to go. So mm-hmm. so and so yeah. like really. They're always them. trying to be like you know, Aaron Sorkin wants to adopt them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Or, or yeah, yeah. the hot Sorkin. meeting. Yeah. That was the one. I, this is the hot meeting of the season. I'm like, and then you feel panicked. Like, oh God, I I have to pick this person because they're the hot meeting and well we we started to get into well, well we're the hot meeting yeah like what do you what how is that why why aren't they getting the hot meeting right so uh yeah you always get this is the hot meeting this person's gonna go and you also you know you you also um i don't know about you guys but for us the network weighs in as well mm-hmm. so they they you will be literally um when you're doing this job you'll be making a hundred decisions a day about costumes about this about that at sets where you're going and writers fall into that and then so the network was great is that they you know they'll sometimes make your life easier and that they'll hand you a list mm-hmm. and and i found that everyone except for one person we hired was off that list yeah because it's just it's too much material. Has there? I forgot that you guys are uh, ABC Disney. Yes. Uh, has there been any? Have there been any bumps in the road? It being Disney. Um, we very early on after we pitched had a meeting with brand management, which is a very scary sounding thing, and, and they were actually really lovely and and but they they they're the corporate guardians of the brands at Disney, and they um they had. 
uh, we, we talked them through what the show was going to be, and they were really incredibly supportive of like doing a new take on a lot of these. Yeah, characters. they were happy that we were doing a new take and not trying to just do the the movies. It so they were they actually they've given us a lot of license. It to, actually, I yeah. think, it would have been a lot more difficult um, had we been trying to do a version of the characters that are in the movies, because then they'd I think be more concerned about how we were representing things that have already been represented. But because it's it's sort of hopefully a new take, they were they were. Kind I've been of, really supportive. Yeah. yeah, and you know we you know the pilot starts with Snow White and with a sword, so they were like, all right. <laughs> after, uh, after two meetings, they were all right. Yeah. It took a couple what uh, What about you guys? How's your relationship been with the network, and uh, what kind of notes have you gotten? Along the way. We, we've had an in- interesting journey because we were originally at CBS and we were moved to CW and we had one uh, studio and then another and then another. We were ABC Studios with CBS Studios and now we're CBS Studios with Warner Brothers who's silent. Um, we, we found a rhythm with our notes and they've been very good to us and there's been a dialogue and if we don't understand something or we don't agree, we've had discussions um, and we've, we've won, we've had some victories and some losses. Um, <laughs> can, you, can you be specific with those at all? I mean, general network fare is, is your protagonist likable enough? You know, there's, they're so afraid to let your main character fail in any way, you know, when the the whole premise of our show is a, a woman who assumes her sister's identity after she kills herself and she doesn't tell anyone. So, you know, I mean, her whole life is a lie, so she's already doing these really morally ambiguous things, and, you know, they're afraid that if she doesn't adopt a pony and, like, give a homeless man 20 bucks by the end of the day, you're not going to like her. But um, the, the great thing about having Sarah on board is... You know, she just is a very empathetic and sympathetic actress, and people just like her. There's a lot of goodwill for her, and, you know, you could have her do some pretty awful things, and you still like Sarah Michelle Gellar. But the fun thing is, because we have the evil twin on the show, and we thought we still had to make her likable, they they don't feel that. They're always like, she can be evil. She can be bad. You can make her worse. We're like, okay, great. We'll have fun with that story. Uh, what about notes from for you guys? Um, Once they were on board with the reimagining really, of the characters, really, really good. They've been um, they've been very supportive and, and kind of you know they, they they they're always in the beginning different notes than there are when the show's going because you're you're still trying to figure out what the show's going to be sort of and they're kind of scared <laughs> because you know they've invested all this money in you um, and we've found that we've kind of again got to a good place as well where it's like they're helping us kind of do our vision so they're not we don't you know in the some t- I don't know about other shows we're, they're not giving us notes that are contradictory to what we want to do but their notes have been actually yeah. helpful in making what we want to do sometimes better and, and and they're always open to discussion when we're like we won't do that that's right. what's been great yeah. so far as they really have been open to discussion and they really have felt like they're on the same page with the show that that's, they bought is that's the show the key. that we're trying to if make. If you're dictated to, then it's hard to get behind the notes, and then you're immediately in a defensive position because somebody is basically saying, I want it this way, and creativity doesn't work that way. It's subjective. It's not like we're bankers and we can prove, like, all right, we shouldn't have bought gold this month. Mm. You know? so, so as long as it's a discussion and you're, you have to be open to change and you have to be open to hearing what they say <laughs> because if you immediately start rejecting notes and rejecting people's ideas, I feel like you're, you're going to – everything's a fight. 
Yeah. And I, that's probably good advice for every level. Yeah, I mean, anytime, anytime you get notes, you have to hear what they say. And sometimes you just have to understand the spirit of the note, mm-hmm. not the actual note. And sometimes if, you know, you really don't believe in something, you know, discuss it, I think. And we were in a situation last week where we got some major network notes on, on an episode that a writer was about to go to draft on. And we were like, oh, shit. It's going to be a mess, and we have to take their note, and how dare they? And it actually forced the whole writer's room to come together and change the story, and I think it's a fantastic episode. So so sometimes the notes the notes are brilliant. <laughs> well, there's often something behind yeah. them that, that yeah. wants addressing. That's notes can very right. often be, like, diagnostic, like, in, in the sense, like, that they, they may not always really get to what the problem is but they realize there is a problem mm-hmm. and then you know it's up to us all collectively well, to kind of figure it you out you are very closely watching it you mm-hmm. know so it is sometimes if you have a great pair of outside eyes you know and we'll often go to other people and just run stuff by them mm-hmm. alright let's uh, let's turn it over to you guys I'm certain you have questions uh, for these writers Please recall that questions begin with a W or an H, not with an I. Uh, does anyone have a question? Um, both of your shows are really high concept, and I'm wondering, in terms of planning seasons, how far ahead do you plan? A one-year arc, a two-year arc, five-year, forever? For us, it's a 12-episode arc. I mean, yeah, we, we, we only have 12 episodes. That's all they've given us. Oh. And so we aren't going to be like, oh, we're going to save it all for season four because there may not be. Um, we have a lot of you know big ideas about the show and what we'd like to do with it, but we're really kind of focusing on these 12. Right we have now. 12. We have an idea if it's a full season, but... Um, you know, this one we didn't. We, we don't want to. We don't want to. Um, you know, look so far ahead that you're that it that it boxes you in. You know, we want to. We want to be a little more like able to let the show kind of tell us where it wants to go. What about you guys? Um, when we pitched the series, we gave a lot of information. We had to know where we were going, and it was about three seasons worth. But since the show um, went to pilot, it changed a lot. So some of our story, we lost it. But we we know now where we want to be at the end of the first season. And if if I had to, if if we were asked what's season three, I would be like, I quit. <laughs> I'd be like, don't even pick it up. I can't even. The stress of that, right. going home after that right. meeting and being right. like, Jesus, <laughs> season three. Well, after Time we travel? wrote it, they were like, our representation said, you have to know where it's going. And then our producer said, where is it going? And we told them, and they said, and where after that? And Eric and I just so wanted to sell this that we were like. Well, let's come up with the next season and the next season and, and then we stopped <laughs> I'll tell you uh, very briefly I rarely talk about myself lucky you uh, we pitched a show my partner and I pitched a show once and uh, we were asked in the room how does the series end what happens in season 5 uh, and we really didn't know we were like well it's a comedy so it ends well everyone lives happily uh, but then we left that and our managers at the time said you guys should probably have an answer to that and we sat down and had the best time breaking five seasons worth of show because we, we were invested we mm. loved the characters mm. we had written the pilot already but yeah I mean I, I can't conceive of being asked about season three and saying no I, I don't know <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, other questions um, you mentioned that you look, you read a lot of uh, pilot scripts when you're doing your hiring process. How many, did you hire any like first time writers? And if so, what was that like sort of 
based off of? Because you all got your start somewhere. You know, I mean, maybe you didn't. When you say first-time writers, you mean people who had never been staffed on series before? We did, and um, we were very open to reading anything and everything, like I said before, as long as it was original and... A lot of it came through our agents in particular, agencies or friends. Um, That was another thing I was going to say about the staffing process, but we had moved on, which is be, be a good person and be nice to people because writers talk. And when we got that network list of writers, (laughs) I didn't know a lot of people. And friends of mine would say, that person is such a douchebag. You do not want to be in the room with that person. So I'd ask around, and if other people said, yeah, he's a douchebag, maybe based on one thing that person did, they were off the list. So, um, but that wasn't your question. So, um, so but, but be nice. Be That's important. Don't be a douchebag, because it, it, will, it will get back to people hiring. It just somehow does, because writers, writers gossip. Um, but we, we read a ton of scripts, and again, the first thing was what's on the page is the writing strong is the voice strong and unique and we have two writers on our staff who had never been staffed before and they're awesome outside of um eric mentioned you guys didn't read any procedurals necessarily but did you read half hours did you read plays did you read other things both yeah yeah uh, even like chapters from you know novels, you know whatever short film scripts we read yeah, a bunch yeah. of. I mean, yeah. a bunch of different things were sent us, and we were open to reading it. Did you? Did you guys? Yeah, we read menus. There's a lot of time. Uh, we, in that yeah, one. and by the way, one act plays were great because you you pianos you go oh twenty pages awesome yeah. you know because a lot of it you know you don't have a lot of time and that's you know you and by the way the the other secret is this is you know you, all of us I would imagine will only give a script 20 pages mm-hmm. if if I get to the end you're getting a meeting you know so it's like you just know right away and sometimes it's not the writing sometimes it's like wrong wrong yeah, vibes I mean, sometimes it is the writing there were things we read that were really excellent scripts that just weren't right for our show um, but uh, we yeah, only we have would, one staff writer yeah and he came from the Disney Fellow Program mm-hmm. um on Tron Animation, we actually hired um, yeah, our former assistant, and um, and he was writing on the side, and we read his spec, and we actually just really liked it, and we brought him over to, to the Tron Animated Show, and he's like one of the stars. I have a, a follow-up question, actually, that's sort of related to, you read a script, you read a script, and maybe it wasn't the voice of the show, or it wasn't quite right for the show. Was there concern in reading from any of you, in reading original material, that they wouldn't be able to get the voice of the show? Well, there, there's always that concern, right. and it, no matter what you're reading, but it's but if it's something that's a really strong voice and that really that really you also want to see the thinking. You, you, you want that's, if the idea is good behind it, you're like that's a, that's an idea that that thinking I would want in my room right. because that's the kind of ideas I want and, thrown and, at and me. That, and that's the that's the other thing we we look for in meetings is we we took meetings with people who wrote things that really weren't in the strictly in the same genre, the same kind of things that we were doing because we, we responded to their material and then we were really looking for how do these people think. And when you when you start to have a conversation about anything for an extended period of time, you can start to get that feeling and, and that's what we were really looking for was like people with... Well, I mean, I, I will say this. One writer was hired simply because he told us the spec he wanted to send but, but the agency when lent out was Abraham Lincoln was um, uh, stopped on his way to Gettysburg and was made a zombie. 
and that John Wilkes Booth was a zombie hunter, and the agency wouldn't let him out because they're like, it's blasphemy. You cannot do that to the most beloved president. And we were like, that is so fucked up. He's on staff. Yeah. Um, you guys have mentioned that uh, Sarah Michelle Geller had read a script that you wrote nine years ago. I was just wondering how long you've been writing and working at this until you got to this point. Um, almost 13 years? 13 years? Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? How long were you at it before you actually started making a living at it? We, we were very fortunate. It was about... We were assistants for... About two years. Two years? Yeah. Um, I was just kind of wondering what kind of thing, like where you are now, what kind of advice you want to like pass on to someone who's like an up-and-coming writer or, you know, like... Um, like your writer's assistants in the rooms or just people who are learning the business like what's the kind of thing that you've learned your like life lesson I know like be nice is kind of <laughs> maybe yours but but yeah just wondering what yeah yeah some some general advice that we didn't get to today uh, I, I would say this you know be nice but attitude like want to learn you know I mean like that's we, you know we take the attitude or we try to that we still don't know what the hell we're doing and mm. that we're trying to learn and get better all the time and always are scared of anyone who seems to think like they think they know what they're doing and, um, and you see it you know it's the people who stay later the people who ask questions you know like if you're in those jobs as writer assistants and and you know it, it's it's do that job well but but don't be afraid to ask things but know when to, to ask them because you know at the end of the day I think like how many times have you read someone's script only because you like them at work mm. you know because most of the time when someone asks you to read something you're never going to read it mm-hmm. yeah I would say, you know, just have a strong POV. You know, don't try to retrofit your voice based on, you know, a network mandate. Like, if you have a unique voice and you want to say something original, just do it and write it for the sake of writing it as opposed to for the sake of selling it. Um, And I would also say don't be afraid to write writers. Like, I had given so many interviews just on people who had contacted me on Facebook. Maybe other people respond differently, but, you know, we had... uh, Nicole and I had won some award through the Writers Guild and we had gotten our assistant because somebody had found our name through the Writers Guild website and said, I read the script, I really loved it. And I, you know, uh, struck up a conversation with this kid and now he's our assistant on the show. So don't be afraid just to ask for what you want. Nobody's going to give it to you. I'd say that's also great advice in that write what you're passionate about. Don't write something. You, people can smell... Like when somebody's writing something that they don't care about, that they just think it'll sell. You know what I mean? It's a superhero cop who also, you know, like is a werewolf. You're like, that's silly. You know, like they'll, people, you, you when you're reading it, you can see something that you're... I was going to say, it sounds amazing. I'm going right. to see CW tomorrow. But if you actually love superhero uh, cop that's a werewolf, then then write that, but you know? You, but if you do love it, it'll come through. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, any other questions from you guys? I have a question. We talked at the beginning of this about what you guys are watching, what the room is talking about. Um, here's my final question. Should I give a damn about Game of Thrones? Oh, it's so good. Yes. <clears throat> Why? <laughs> oh, it's just so good. That's not... Come on. Well, I, do you want me to ruin the ending? I mean... I, no, ruin the beginning. It, I would say this. Uh, <laughs> I find that every episode of that is not only well-written and engaging, but surprising in a way that I just... I find kind of inspiring. Like, I'm, I was actually really blown away by it. I don't like wizards. Are there wizards on this show? 
No. No. <laughs> it's it's kind of a post magic show. I don't know. I feel like baby. By the way, mm. I feel like I should be selling my show. We're all gonna watch Not your show. You don't have to sell your Thrones. show. I'm already. In, I'm sold for your show. Game I know. The script awesome. is great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No yeah, do you guys watch Game of Thrones? Every writer I've had on this panel watches Game of Thrones. I don't have HBO, so no. <laughs> That's another bit of advice. Eric is the exception to the rule. I would say watch TV. Watch other people's shows. Know what's out there. Know what stories. I mean, to be fair, though, we haven't had time to watch much TV. Breaking Bad is, like, my one thing that I won't miss. And Real Housewives. Um, but... See what else is on TV so you don't repeat things. You can be creative and original, um, but I have yet to watch Game of Thrones. I want to. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's also especially valuable during staffing season, yeah. is know what the hell's on TV. Yeah. Uh, not just the scripts that are handed to you, but what's out there. Uh, well, thank you guys for being here. This was thank very you. informative to all of us. Uh, Nicole Snyder, Eric Carmelo, Eddie Kitzlis, and Adam Horowitz. Thanks to everyone here at Nerdist Industries and Meltdown Comics, including Ed and Katie. Give them a round of applause, please. And H26LA. See you guys next week. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 